I debated skipping this chapter because in a narrative, um, there's not always chunks, so to speak, of things that you're going to want to hone in and focus on. Um, if anything, in this chapter, what stands out to me is that the saints weren't really aware of what was going on. I mean, they were doing the right things, but they weren't necessarily getting it, so to speak. And if anything, I find a certain measure of encouragement that uh, if the saints of old got things done that needed to be done and the Lord worked through them, well, then surely he'll work through us as well. And there are times when you can feel so intensely about what you're doing and it'd be so appropriate. Other times you're just kind of left going, I'm not sure what's going on. Just not, you know, I, I pray, I'm doing the right things, but it, just not real sure how this is all working out. That's what I find in this chapter. And so uh, I want to just walk through that. Um, there's a King Herod that ends up arresting some of the apostles, James and Peter, uh, in particular, Herod Agrippa, um, let's see, if we have federal, state, and local government, he would have been like a state ruler. It wasn't as clear-cut as what ours are in that, uh, for one, you have to realize that communications weren't at all what they were today. And so you, you would have strong regions or things like that, but the boundaries wouldn't have been as clear-cut. And so... The Romans were the overall rulers of the land. The Herodians had tied themselves to the Roman government, but they were the, the regional people, so to speak, that were over things. And then you had the, the Jewish leaders over that culture, but so at more of a local level. So on the regional level, you have a man beginning to step up and say, I'm going to deal with this Christian issue. And it happens during one of the feasts, and he's trying to uh, please the, the, the religious leaders of that day. But also there are, are um, dynamics going on because as we've been reading this book, the gospel is going out. It's changing lives, but it also is accumulating thousands of people that would be adherents. And so, you know, for the politically minded, it becomes a, a, a frightening moment of saying, what's going on here? Let's make sure that they don't get too uppity. And, and so, you know, that kind of thinking would have been drawn into this, where you have a re ruler over a region, and he's starting to hear things. And so, you know, in establishing your power, it's easiest to put some of their leaders to death in this situation. And, you know, the the... the putting of James to death with the sword, um, you know, I guess, you know, that could be very similar to what we hear in regard to beheadings, right? It just, he was put to death, and then Peter is being held through this feast time because they're not wanting to, to put him to death at the feast, so they're waiting, and he's sitting in jail, and this is, this is the background for this particular story. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And what that says is that most likely he'd followed the Roman system where you have guys doing two-hour shifts through the night. And so there, there are these guys that are responsible for him. He is uh, bound between two of them, and then there's two at the, the, the doors. And so it's not a 
place to, to, to get away. It's not a place to squirm. It's just one of those horrible situations. I mean, I, I can't imagine even having to sleep on my back. <laughs> just, but can you imagine just being chained between two people and yet Peter goes to sleep? Uh, it's very strange to me. But uh, that's the situation that we read. And it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, a light shone around in the cell, struck Peter on the side, said, get up quick. The chains fell off his wrists, put on your clothes and sandals, so he wrapped his cloak around him, and the angel said, follow me. So Peter follows him out of prison, has no idea what's going on, thought he was seeing a vision. So here, here's the leader of the church, <laughs> has an angelic experience, and he's not, even, he's not even up to speed of what's really taking place. And I, I, this is his second experience of being drawn out of jail. If you read Acts chapter 5, he'd had a similar thing where he escaped. But it, it, here he's trying to, oh, I just thought I was dreaming. Well, maybe not. Gets out, uh, opens the city gates, walks down a street, and suddenly the angel leaves him. So he came, comes to himself, and he goes and, and uh, goes to find his friends. Went to House of Mary, whose son was John Mark, another famous person in Scripture. But, uh, you know, in that, he's, he's going to go address the community, and then you have a rather funny situation where he's knocking on the door. One of the, a girl named Rhoda goes to, to answer who are you, through the door, Peter, oh, wonderful, runs back and tells people, Peter's here, and they're going, you're nuts. This, this is ridiculous. Um, before I go further, if, if you believe in God who, who rules all of creation and made all things, and you believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again. It's not so hard to believe that chains would have fallen off a person's hands. Right? I mean, there, if you embrace the miraculous, then it's not that a, you know, far of a stretch to step in and say, I guess I can embrace these other stories as well. They're amazing to me. Do I know how it happened? Not a clue. Do I really care at this point? No, not so much. <laughs> I'm just amazed at it. You know, there's a wonder in me that says, okay, God's working through these people. And he's doing things that they don't even anticipate. And it appears that Peter, who had already been out of prison once, I don't think he was committed to it. I, I, he'd seen James put to death, and he's going, oh, I guess I'm next. You know, I don't, I don't think he was... The man of faith praying, saying, okay, God, you did it before, you can do it again. I just don't see that in this particular passage. And yet, he gets out anyway, and then he goes to the friend's house, and they're all going, ah, no, I can't be Peter. Well, maybe, she's, maybe it was this angel talking. That's even weirder to me. You know, <laughs> wouldn't you open the door at least to, to see? But anyway, finally he gets inside. And uh, he, he talks to him and says, tell James, now this is a different James, obviously. The brother of Jesus was an early leader of the church. And this is, uh, 
This is, by historians, about a dozen years after Christ had risen from the grave. So it's during the same festival season, but you're, you're 10, 12 years later, okay? So they have been having all these experiences, they have all this history, but it's still just new to them in, in a number of facets. It says, in the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers, and they made a thorough search, cross-examined the soldiers, and then executed them. So again, they wouldn't have been just, oh, he's a nice guy, just let him go. We're kind of being shown that that was not going to be a part of this story. Okay, so that said, the other part of this story is that Herod, who's at the prime of life, prime of power, ends up making a peace treaty with some others in the region, Tyre and Sidon, which is, again, these names don't mean anything to us at this stage, but it was a, another regional government, so to speak. And um, they, they make the declaration, oh, he has the voice of God. And he doesn't give any credit to God. He's not into that. And then he dies. And it, this, it, it's a description of a horrible death. Uh, it, it, the, the declaration is of worms and a, apparently some kind of bowel disease or whatever. I, I have no clue. And because I'm not that old, didn't, wasn't there for it, uh, you know, all I, I know that's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there are some things even I haven't seen. Uh, but that said, um, you know, there's a recognition that the one who refused, has, the table turned on him as well. But there's a declaration at the very end of this. It says, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. And that's what I want you to be aware of. What this book is about is the expansion of the gospel from just a, a few people to what we read early on in Acts of thousands and then more. And as we read earlier, it went from the, the Jewish population and then the Samaritans heard of it and then the Gentiles, which most of us are, but it's, it went from one small little village, so to speak, and it's, it's going outward, and it's expanding to what we, have, what we see today. You know, Jesus had made the declaration, he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest of seeds, but it's going to be one of the largest plants in a garden. And in other words, the kingdom of God is just going to continue to grow and expand. And so that's what this is a part of. And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of thing where, you know, others are beginning to say, well, what about that group? Or what's going on here? And, and they're not sure themselves. They just know that they've had an encounter with God. They know that he's transformed their lives. They know that they want to make that available to others. And somehow it just keeps going outward. Like we looked at last week, you know, with it, with it attaching to, to some of the Gentile believers, and you're just going, the people that initially saw this thing wouldn't have had a clue that this was even possible. They, they, even when it happened, they didn't necessarily, they couldn't believe it. And yet, 
the power of God to transform lives and to come in and, and work in each of us is what we're reading about through this passage. And just, uh, just for me to, to go back through here and say, these saints... Peter, who'd already had the experience, didn't necessarily even know that this was going to happen. The others who are praying for him and are, are in this, you know, Peter's sleeping, they're praying. Get that. You know, they're all disturbed and they're up late praying about this. But when, when their prayers are actually answered, they can't believe it. So, you know, again, it's like, how many times have you sat in a prayer meeting praying for something that you don't really have confidence that it would even take place? You, you don't believe that it could even happen in some measure? Or you just have no sense that God's really even speaking that? And yet God gets it done anyway. And he chose to, he chose to let them know, you know, and, and let them see. And let them come into another thing of going, Another God story, <laughs> another amazing thing. It gives me a great deal of hope, you know, where to just go on and say, you know what, I don't have a clue at times of why things are transforming the way they do or why things are taking, doesn't really matter. You know, at the end of the day, God is going to get his work done. He's going to work through people who are frail and, and have their own foibles, and he's going to accomplish the working of the kingdom of God, which we can all rejoice in. What a privilege to know that. We thank you for your scripture that speaks life to us. We thank you for your truth that inspires us. We ask, Lord, that you will speak into our hearts and lives and guide our steps each day. Amen. But I'd like to suggest that there are times of uncertainty in each of our lives. You may be in one of those moments where you're just not quite sure what's going on. I take hope in the fact that these people were doing what they knew to do. They weren't necessarily clear as to even what should happen, but God worked through them anyway, okay? And so we can carry that same hope in our lives as well. What I'd encourage you to do, if you're struggling with someone, get with someone that you trust and ask them to pray with you. If there's questions in your mind, you're going, I just don't get this stuff. Again, seek someone out that you trust and ask, say, let's, can we talk about this? Then let's ask the Lord to intervene on our behalfs as he is wont to do. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy how sovereign you really are. We ask, Lord, that as each one goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. We ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. I'd ask that you gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. God bless you. What remains is open-ended worship. Stay as long as you will.